Hello, my name is Joel Simpson, and welcome to the Connect Podcast with Indianola First Assembly. And I'm John Tonsi, and our goal is to build community and relationships through sharing life experiences and God's stories to inspire and connect with each other on a deeper level. Today, we get the pleasure of interviewing Everett Kephart. Everett, tell us, how did you first start coming to Indianola First? Well, I uh, graduated from Winterset. And when I was a junior in high school, uh, I accepted the Lord and met my wife, which we've known each other since fifth grade. So I went to, because of sports and things, I was recruited by Simpson College. Back in the 60s, they could give academic and sports scholarships. And so I got a sports scholarship, half of tuition for football and half for track. And that's how I ended up in Indianola. And uh, the way I ended up at the church, uh, my wife's grandmother and great aunt were Baptist ladies, and they heard about a church uh, on East First Street, which is the old church over by the high school. And uh, they sent me over there as a spy (laughs) to find out about what the speaking in tongues and, and what was going on at the church. And then after we went there and visited, they started coming here also. The two ladies did. So, so that's did how you I... show up and start speaking in tongues and then you were like... Um, no, I didn't really, but um, <laughs> I did meet uh, two of the people that are still going to church here, uh, Norma Bash and Leonard Taylor. They were in the church at that time. So that would have been 1969-70 school year. My first year at Simpson. Okay. And so then we had a, when they decided to build a new church, we had a car caravan that brought everybody from the old church to the new church on a Sunday morning. And we were in the car caravan the first Sunday morning. So. Oh, wow. So when was the, when was the new church built then, this building? Oh, it had to be 70, 70, 71. Elaine and I were one of the first people married here, and we got married in 71 in the youth chapel, okay. which was, was the sanctuary. And so it was the sanctuary and a short wing and a short wing and nothing on the front, the, the original building. So where we have church now, none of that was, that was there. Not, that wasn't here. Okay. Yeah, that came later. And uh, when I was in college, my freshman year and sophomore year, I would come out and carry bricks and and pour concrete so if the floors if you walk on the old building and the floors go like this <laughs> you get a little wave to them if they got a little wave to them that's because we didn't know what we were doing <laughs> so wow yeah so you've been you've been coming here for a while quite a while yes. yeah you, you got me beat i've only been here for a couple of years yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah that's incredible well yeah tell us Maybe some other, I guess, the, the history of the church or fun stories over okay. the years. Uh, one thing I remember was when they divide, decided to, to build on, so that would be the, the bigger wings on both sides, the basements, and the sanctuary in front. We had 40 people in the church, and they voted $1.4 million loan, and there was... So we had a board meeting, and I was young, and I voted no. And I had a board member come and tell me that he thought I was out of God's will because I voted no. And I said, it's just logical that we can't afford it. Yeah, 40 people trying to pay for it. And the, the ironic part was we never made the first payment. <laughs> we could not afford the first payment. So we went into bankruptcy, and uh, at one time— we just about got taken over as a as a movie theater. They were going to turn our church into a movie theater. Oh wow! And, and that's when um, Max Labertu and I went to Newton and interviewed a um, pastor and uh, kind of got him interested in coming and helping us out financially. So he and his his job was to secure the assets, but. Uh, he was making like sixty grand in Newton, and we offered him thirty, and he still came. Oh wow! Yeah, 
Wow. Paul Sangren. Yeah. About what year was that or how long ago was that? Do you remember? I don't know. No no worries. Maybe the mid-80s, I think. Mid-80s? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So, I mean, in late 70s, early 80s, $1.4 million. I mean, that's a lot of money now. Yeah. That's a, that's a whole lot more money then. Yeah. And, and what happened was the, the, a lot of the people that voted yes split and left and left the ones that voted no to take care of it. Oh, you got yeah. it. Oh. You know, and, and, it's, and it's tough. I, I will say kudos to you and, and the others, you know, stuck mm-hmm. around and were faithful through that. And a lot of people move around a lot of churches, you yes. know. <laughs> and so, yeah. I, and that's what is so impressive you know, even coming here since 1970 mm-hmm. and, uh, or, or slightly before that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just your loyalty and faithfulness, you know, through that and the ups and downs mm-hmm. that is, you know, church and people. And I think that's why we really appreciate Pastor Barry because he wants to pay cash for things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was here at the end of the, the money problem. Yeah. I remember one of, I don't know. It was probably the first year that I was here within that time frame was when they had the burning of the loan papers. Yes. Major, it was a major thing. Yeah. Yes. And I, you know, I didn't know the history of it. And I yeah. was like, well, they paid off the loan. Good job. Big deal. <laughs> <They burned> the, <laughs> and then later learning like the, yeah. all the struggles yes. that the church went through yeah. to get to that point. Yeah. We had um, Pastor Calloway came back the second time. He was here when I was hit at Simpson. And then he came back with Pastor Barry, or Pastor Barry came when Pastor Calloway was here. And so Calloway was more to build the church population-wise and recruiting people. And Pastor Sangren was keeping the church from going under. Each one of them had basically their uh, job to do. Yeah, just a, a great example of how God uses people for specific purposes Mm -hmm. and and those giftings and then using them and talk about, you know, Pastor Sanger taking, you know, a 50% pay cut to come here and not just come here, but like, and then bail it out of a really bad spot. You know, you got to have a clear word from the Lord. You know, like some of us are like worried about, Hey, you know, should I not buy this thing or something? But that's a, that's a big Mm -hmm. commitment. Yeah. Well, in the natural, it didn't even make sense for him to come. Mm. But he said, "Yeah, I'll come and I'll come and talk, and and we'll see what happens." So, wow, I think he was probably here what six years or so, maybe longer. Mm. And that was yeah, mid eighties. You said, "I think so." Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, and just to think, yeah, where where the church is at today, you know, and just you know going through that, and and what a what a cool picture of like God's redemption. Of, of what he can do in people's mm-hmm. lives and like what he does, you know, through the church and what he's brought in, you know, first through, yeah. uh, it's just yeah. a, a really cool story. Well, it's quite a testimony to the community mm-hmm. that it's, we stuck it out. And so when, uh, you said it was originally like 40 people. Yeah. Not 40, not 40 families, 40 members. So like Elaine and I were one family, but two members. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> So we're talking, yeah, 20, 20 to 30, you know, families. Actually maybe. members, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is uh, when Pastor Sangren came in and he started kind of getting out of that situation about what was it? You said a number of them left. Did it get smaller than that still or did you start um, growing at that point? Pastor Calloway came right after Sangren left. He looked out and he said, all I see is a bunch of old people with gray hair. <laughs> there, was, there was no youth group. There was no kids. It was just old people and so yeah and if you're not bringing in the youth i mean no you got it your your church is yeah, yeah. it's gonna die wow so then he started really focusing on getting youth and and yes. younger and and building that up and yeah because i'm doing doing the math here so pastor barry was 20 years ago so that would have been in about 2000 yeah pastor barry was the, at the end of the callaway callaway brought him from south dakota yeah yeah and so Callaway came in what maybe in the uh, early nineties. I don't. I really yeah, somewhere don't, in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's quite a history. I guess any other kind of fun stories or memories over the years of of uh, during that time? Well, when we were growing, there was another teacher from Southeast Warren and I 
we did the high school youth Sunday school classes. And uh, so we did that. And then uh, not, not really on the so, so what other roles have you played within the church over the years? So you were Sunday school oh, teacher? I, I started out as, a, when I was in college, I started out as a janitor. Uh, I'd come out and clean between classes. And Pastor Calloway lived out by the new uh, elementary school in the west end of town. Oh, okay. Oh, that's out there w- quite a Wilder, ways. is yeah. that? Yeah. Wilder, I think that's Yeah, called. and uh, they had a snapper lawnmower. And we had no trailer, and I'd have to ride it out to Callaway's, <laughs> Moe's yard, which was over two acres, and then ride it back. But I had to take a can of gas because you couldn't get there and back without running out of gas. So, so I did that, and I'm, I think I got $50 a month or something like that. So I did that, and then uh, when um, Pastor Sangren was here and Pastor Callaway, I was a board member for several years. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's a fun story, driving the snapper across town. Yeah. That's <laughs> and we mowed this one, too. And the additions weren't here, so there was quite a bit of more, more grass to mow. Yeah. Sure, sure. And now the, it's a three-minute job. And, skeep, and scoop snow. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. we clean the snow off for the, for the evening services and the Sunday services and vacuum the building. Yeah, it's one thing uh, to be a, a board member when a church is healthy and doing well. Mm-hmm. That's another thing to be a board member when you got some tough decisions yes. and difficult things to work through. Yeah, I can only imagine that, how difficult that is and yeah. uh, some of the things you had to go through and tough decisions you had to make through that time. I didn't feel bad about voting no on the addition, but there was one little simple thing I voted no on that I wish I had never done. And that's uh, Pastor Calloway wanted to have an advertisement at the theater uptown and... I voted no, and I wish I hadn't. Have. I wish I would have voted yes. So we didn't do it. Mm. But he wanted to advertise first assembly between movies. Yeah. Yeah. It's always easy in hindsight to say, well, could have, would have, should have, yeah. you know. But Yeah. I mean, it, it's really a minor thing, but it really maybe is not a minor thing. I don't know. I mean, I don't even know how much that those advertisements would cost. And if you're already struggling with... Mm-hmm financial situations like that's pretty hard to commit to something like that yeah i think many people you know we hear board member tell us like what does that what does that all entail like what does that look like what are you know maybe if you want to tell us a little bit about some of the responsibilities of a board member well um you're representing the lord so i think you need to be a little more straight laced than normal probably and uh a little more compassionate, and you hear, it's just like being a board member for a school district. You hear all the people complain and uh, things that should be done, or, and you know, mm-hmm. and then you go into the board meeting and try to make a decision that's best for everybody. And uh, our biggest one when I was there was uh, how to how to pay your bills. I mean, how to pay the light bill, how to pay the gas bill. It was a very trying time. Oh, I bet. Well, we're, I know, I mean, I can say we're appreciative of all the work that you and many others mm-hmm. put in, you know, and to see what, what God's done with all of those efforts mm-hmm. in the community. And, we and did a, a lot of repairs because we couldn't afford to hire it done. So we would meet usually once a week and we rebuilt the offices. And uh, uh, I, I've done a lot of carpentry work. That's how I could afford to be a teacher, <laughs> do carpentry. Because uh, down on the side. Yeah, my first year of teaching, I made six thousand eight hundred and um, coached three sports. That was my total pay. And so, if you wanted to do anything, you poured concrete and shingled and extra. You were busy. Yeah, you were, you were you were busy working full time teacher, yeah. coaching three sports, mm-hmm. throwing shingles, laying yeah. concrete, working at the church once a week. Yep. I uh, mean, you, you, you had your plate full. Yeah, but it was worth it. Amen. Yeah. So what uh, were some of the biggest changes or biggest surprises over your time here at the church? Oh, probably seeing, <laughs> seeing pop and, and water and stuff being brought into the sanctuary, because <laughs> that, that never happened in the 60s. Sure. It just never happened. 
It's funny you say that. I actually had somebody just comment to me the other day about that. They were like, yeah, you I mean, know, it's at no one big point. deal. It's no big deal. <laughs> it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. 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 It's just, you know, little things. It's, it is funny, you know, just mm. different things. There's a lot of change, but sometimes it's those that but, get you. Uh, what, what worked in the 70s wouldn't work today, I don't think. Well, people and times change, right? Mm. You know, and so the truth doesn't change. Yeah. But, but no, but, no, the truth hasn't changed. Right. So what has kept you here over the years? It's home. It's home? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, uh, we were committed. We've, we've paid our tithes for 50 years, and it's home. So we got a fun question we ask everybody okay. that we've had on the show. Where do you normally sit on Sunday? I sit on the east side, back row. <laughs> Every every Sunday, <laughs> and we went out to eat one time with uh, oh, the policeman Morris, and he, he brought a couple West Siders, and so he introduced <laughs> me to the the West Siders because you don't you know you see them but you don't stop and talk to them a lot of times and yeah, that's a long ways over there yeah so John's a, John's a fellow East Sider there he yeah sits he's a few, East Sider yeah he sits a few rows yeah, ahead I see of him every Sunday yeah <laughs> yeah. He sees the back of my head every back, Sunday. Yeah, you look at John's head every, yeah. every Sunday. Yeah, we, uh, my wife and I, we move around a lot. So Do you? Yeah. I used to sit where I sat so I could see the board a little better. Now that sometimes the print's so small, I can't read it anyway, so. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you no, sit. No. <laughs> well, if I was in the front row, it probably would, but. You don't want, you don't want to move up to the front no, row? No, I think so. <laughs> no. I feel like you get singled out up there. I mean, Brad's pretty close to the front row, and mm-hmm. he gets he gets called out a lot. Yeah. yeah, I do feel like he picks on the the West Siders more than the East yes, Siders. Yes, I think so too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Everett, where did you grow up? I grew up in Winterset. Uh, actually, I went to fifth grade through high school in Winterset, and um, loved school. Never missed school. Uh, public school is one of my priorities, and uh, because of school and coaching, teaching, coaching, and and uh, athletics, it's been my life. So, so what was your what was your first job? My first job. Well, we were we came we were from the wrong side of town, and the wrong side of the tracks. In Winterset. In Winterset. Yeah, it's not a very big town. No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so if we wanted something in our family, we worked for it. Mm. And so I started out uh, painting garages when I was in mowing yards when I was in junior high. In fact, my seventh grade and eighth grade year, I got a job in Maxburg, Iowa, which is about 18 miles away at a welding shop. And I would take away or take apart farm equipment. And then we would weld it and put it back together. And I did that during the, during the week, during the summer. And then I worked at a shoe store because I was out for football, basketball, and track. And uh, I sold a lot of shoes for him to the sports kids. And you needed a lot of shoes yeah. here and all them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what was your first car? My first car was a 59, no, yeah, 59 Chevy. And I bought it. It didn't have a motor in it. And I bought a wrecked car and took the motor out and, and switched them. So a 59 Chevy, 348, had a big, huge motor in it. So, but gas was 29 cents a gallon. Yeah, you could afford that. I'm yeah. reasonably sure you weren't thinking about gas mileage. No, you no, stuck no, that no, in no, 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 no. So that was my first car. Right, you got any fun driving adventures or stories you'd want to share? Well, I got... Um, one time after high school basketball game, I was heading home in my 59 Chevy, and this car came up behind me, and I thought it was one of my friends. So I sped up, and I sped up, and he sped up, and he sped up, and it was winter time, and I went to turn to go to my house, and I slid up in the guy's yard, and it was a city policeman. Oh. <laughs> and he turned on his red light, and uh, back in those days, you had it temporary license if you got a moving violation you lost them until you're 18 mm. so mr Pausch said uh, why don't you come up to the city hall and talk to me 
And I said, okay. So I followed him back up to City Hall, and he opened up his desk drawer, and he put my license plate or my life, driver's license in the drawer, and he said, um, I'm thinking about hiring you to paint this summer. You want to paint? <laughs> and I said, probably. And he says, if you do, I'll give you these back for Christmas present. So instead of nailing me, let me have my license back on Christmas Eve. So Nice. Yeah. You must have done a pretty good job painting then. I painted three summers for him. (laughs) Even when I was in college. Yeah. Painted a lot of houses in Winterset. So tell us about the car you drove here. The um, 70 El Camino. I had one when I was in college. And uh, it was a very nice car. But see, that would have been 1973, so it would have been pretty new. Yeah. And uh, my cousin just got out of the army, the Vietnam era, and he applied for a, a loan for a car. And the banker guy and I were football buddies from high school. And he says, if you can get your cousin to sign for you, I'll give you the loan for your car. So I went up and signed, co-signed for a car, and he never made one payment. Oh. And so I put both of them, and it was a Torino. Oh. I hated it. It was a green Torino. <laughs> And I loved the El Camino, but uh, so I put them both up for sale because I couldn't afford both of them on a teaching salary, first year teaching, and the El Camino sold in a week. Mm. So then I found this one like 25 years ago, and I bought it, and then had it painted the same color as the other one. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So what other, what other cars do you have? Um, I have a 64 El Camino, red, and a 66 Pontiac. Le Mans convertible. It's probably worth the most of mm. for the value of the old cars. But yeah, it's fun. I you know we had my my uncle Bobby on on the show here a little while back, and he was talking about he had like twenty nine cars by the time he was twenty nine years old. I had so many in high school because <laughs> I'd buy them without motors and put motors in them, and the probably the most expensive one I would have had if I kept it was a fifty seven Chevy convertible. Mm. I sold it for $80, (laughs) $80, because the guy wanted a front fender. So you sold him the whole car. I sold him the whole car for $80, yeah. Yeah, we said, you know, my dad was the same. We had a bunch of cars growing up and stuff, Mm -hmm. and it's like, why didn't you keep more of those cars, you know? And Mm -hmm. at the time, you just, they were just, they were just cars. You trade cars, you move cars around, you fix them up, do whatever. and And they were inexpensive. Right. So. Yeah. Well, the only one we have left is uh, we got a 50 Chevy truck. Oh, yeah. And so it's been sitting in my brother's garage back in, out in a field for a while, and it was sitting in Cheyenne for like 30 years before that. I don't know, but anyway. I saw a 50 this week, uh, Doug Hutchcroft, the guy that's, he's a realtor here in Indianola, and he has a red one, mm. uh, three-quarter ton, it's, so it's kind of a beefy one. Mm. But they put it on an S10 frame. So, oh, sure. So he's got, I think he has power steering and power brakes. And yeah, that's and most of them do that. They yeah. put them on an S10, and yeah. I don't know, my dad, this one's all original. Yeah. And so he's, he, we'd like to just do a restore on yeah. it. And uh, anyway, someday, it's on my list. <laughs> What's a favorite childhood memory you have? Favorite childhood memory? It would, it would probably be a high school memory. It would probably be a sports memory. We played, Indianola was in our conference, and we would win at Winterset every other year, and we'd lose. We played at Simpson on the field, Mm -hmm. and we'd lose at Simpson every other year, (laughs) and we played Valley of West Des Moines, and uh, we'd win every other year at Winterset and lose at Valley every other year. And uh, when I was a senior, the score was six to nothing against Valley, and the coach at halftime, the coach said, "Boy, you got." And they were rated, and they were like fifteen hundred kids in the school, and we had four hundred. They had fifteen hundred in a three-year high school, and we had four hundred in a four-year high school, and we were playing with them. And uh, coach said, "You guys are doing a heck of a job." And we went back out, and we lost like thirty-nine to six or something. <laughs> <laughs> they thumped us, but. It's hard to hang in there with those big schools for yeah. the whole game. They wore us out. They by put half. a whole yeah. new team in. <laughs> by yeah. Half time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they played platoon ball, and we, we had the same people on the, fl- on the field all the time. So Yeah. 
And another time I, uh, we were playing Indian basketball. The Winterset gym was just a little teeny gym. The circles intersected. It was that small. And there was a restraining line around the outside all the way around it. And uh, they beat us pretty badly at, at Simpson. And, and so we were playing at Winterset. And the score was uh, we were behind by two with no time left on the clock. And somebody fouled me, and I went to the free throw line, and I missed both of them. <laughs> we lost by two. Uh, we could have tied it up, and I've, I've missed both shots. So. Yeah. I have a friend of mine that went, to, he lived, he grew up in Winterset as well, and sports are a big deal in oh, Winterset. Yes. yes. And it's not that they're not in Indianola. I just feel like in Winterset, like mm. it's another level. Like, mm. I, and maybe, I don't know, maybe you could. Uh, confirm that or not, but it just seems like that's a, that's a really big deal. But it, sports are definitely a big part of your life growing mm-hmm. up. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about you know what all you mentioned a few of the different sports and how how that impacted you? When I was a senior, I was considering going to going to college, but we didn't have the money to go, and I I got a scholarship from Tarkio, Missouri, which is not even a school anymore. It's closed up. Then I got a high school scholarship, and I couldn't use it out of state, so I couldn't go to Tarkio. And so the, the track meet, the conference track meet, was at Simpson College again with Indianola. And uh, the guy that was running the shot put was the Simpson College track and one of the football coaches. And so, I mean, we're talking schools over for the seniors, conference mm. track meet. And he said, have you ever thought about coming to Simpson? I said, no, I can't afford that. And so that's when I found out that I, he arranged for me to get a scholarship for football and track. So I got to go four years to Simpson for free. Wow. Yeah. And at that time, it was like $2,800. Now today it's 42000 Yeah. Yeah. So it was a big deal. So God wanted you in Indianola. Yeah, big plans for you here. Yeah. Well, then that just started the whole the whole thing with the the church and and then when I graduated from Simpson, I signed a contract. I was the first one in my class to sign a contract at I thirty five Truro. It's a sm- small school, so I signed it. Then the last day of school, the lady I student taught for resigned, and Indianola offered me a job for track and uh, junior high science and assistant football. And I thought, oh, but I already signed, so I, I didn't go back on it. So I kept the contract I signed and never never did teach it in Enola, but I had a chance. Mm-hmm. But but she never said a word about resigning. Mm-hmm. You know. So tell us a little bit more about your teaching and, and some, some of the different experiences over the years there. Well, I started out at um, middle school science and like I said, coaching three sports, did that for several years. And then there was a guy who came who wanted, he was um, certified in science. And so I moved to PE for a couple years. And then he left and I went back to science. So for 33 years, I taught at I-35. And uh, we've uh, lived in the same town for 50 years. And so when I retired, I just stayed. Back in those days, if you taught in a district, they wanted you to live in the district. Mm. So I moved from Indianola to New Virginia. Been there ever since. Yeah. We have about, um, I don't know, 15 kids that come here that were ex-students. Oh, oh, I, see, cool. I see them quite often. I see a lot of, you know, over 33 years of 75 kids a year. There's a lot of them. So. Yeah, teaching's a, it's a unique thing. I will tell you, um, I could never be a school teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have the patience for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a gift, and and there's an opportunity to to minister to kids. In middle and, school, mm-hmm. they're strange. Middle school stuff, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I I always tell people if they think I'm a little weird, it's because I spent really 35 years with middle school. That's a tough. Yeah. That's a tough yeah. age. I don't, I don't I don't remember middle school fondly. Uh, <laughs> remember it just not fondly fondly yeah 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 i had a i've had a lot of kids that have done well uh, i've had kids that have done poorly i've had uh well like the governor was one of my students 
Kim Reynolds. Oh, really? Yeah, she was one of my students. She said that she thought I was awful young when we started. And I said, well, Kim, I was 21 and you were 14. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. So tell us about your family. Did you come from a big family or? There were eight children in my family. The first two quit school and joined the Army and uh, the National Guard. And my brother Jerry was a sophomore in high school when he quit and joined the Army. And about uh, six months later, he was in Vietnam. And he said, you think something's cruel? Uh, Go from Madison County on a farm Mm. and wake up in Vietnam. And uh, of the eight children, my oldest brothers passed away and my youngest brothers passed away. And so the rest of them live fairly close. One, one lives in Texas, and the rest of them live around St. Charles and Winterset. So. so if you could go back and give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? I don't know. I don't think I'd do anything different. I mean, there's a lot more to... I mean, I, I probably could have picked a... A, a better career that paid more. But uh, what I would do is in the summer, we would uh, do carpentry work. And over the years, I've built 12 new houses. And uh, we've taken uh, seven old houses that people build a new house and they give them to me. And I have the guy from um, Waukee Bissell. He jacks them up and moves them to a new foundation. And then we remodel them and I rented them. When I was teaching, I had 32 renters, and uh, since my health has been going badly, we've been selling. So mm-hmm. we've been taking these houses that they just give them to me, and I'd buy an empty lot, put them on a foundation, remodel them, then rent them for 20 years, and then sell them. So that's worked out really well. That's, that's a good investment. Yes. Yeah. Very good. I, um, John Niemeyer taught a class on Financial Peace University, and so... I took the the 32 renters I renting rentals I had and started paying them off the the littlest one first and then just kept paying them off and so about 12 years ago we had them all paid off so when we sold them we just invested the money and never did lose any on any of them hmm. so so tell us about your testimony well when I was in high school I Met Elaine. Well, I knew Elaine, but she said um, that she couldn't go on dates with me because I didn't go to church. <laughs> and then I got a a letter from a, one of my junior high teachers that said, um, he said, I'll pick you up Sunday. And he didn't even know that Elaine had said anything. He said, I'll pick you up Sunday to go to church uh, at the Foursquare Church in Winterset. It's a full gospel. And uh, he said, because I'm concerned about your soul. And so he picked me up, and about Christmas time, I accepted the Lord my junior year. Did any of your family go to church? Or? No. No, just no, you. Just me. Wow. I'm just, you know, how, how simple it is sometimes. Or it's just mm-hmm. offered to pick somebody up and take yep. them to church. And, and, re- and he wrote a letter. And then Elaine and I got a chance to talk to him the day before he died mm. at the hospital. Just encouraging to reach out to people. Mm-hmm. And that's probably one of the reasons I decided to be a teacher. Mm. You got so many opportunities to touch mm-hmm. so many lives. You know? And it, you know, it's just simply being with them. I mean, you don't have to preach at them constantly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, just loving on people. Yeah. Yeah. Putting you in a position where you can love on them. Yeah. So tell us about your your wife and kids and yeah uh, Elaine is uh two months older than I am <laughs> and so I uh, I'm with an older woman older it's, wiser yeah oh, well yeah. I was <laughs> I'm not going that far <laughs> but, um, my wife's five months older and I give yeah, her a hard time yeah. about it all the time yeah uh, I have a daughter that's uh 49 and she's a chemistry major and she works for a company that um sells and distributes um, health products and does a lot of travel. She works out of her home in Johnston. And then I have a son who was more of a, he should have been a 60s kid instead of an 80s kid. 
because he's he's like the sixty kids when I was growing up. But he went to Middletown, Connecticut, to play football. He was recruited by Hayden Fry for the Hawkeyes as a receiver, mm. and he went there and he turned him down. And he went to Connecticut and played small to small school football, and then he went to California and learned how to build sod houses. So he's an environmental major. And then my youngest son, Brad, works in Kansas City, and he's a chemist. And we have eight grandsons, no granddaughters. And uh, I have one grandson that is, uh, he puts in pacemakers at uh, Beloit Hospital in uh, Wisconsin. So he's like 25 and just got married. And then I have one that is two years old. So we, I mean, it's quite a span. You got, yeah, you got the whole yeah. game there, yeah. 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 So I want to know, you said that you asked Elaine out and she turned you down because you didn't go to church. And then the teacher brought you to church. How long was it before you were like? It was pretty quick. It was pretty <laughs> quick. I'm going to church. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can we go on a yeah. date? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, tell us, tell us more about how, how you and Elaine met. Well, um, when I went to Earlham up until fifth grade, there was a, a rock road, and on one, maybe half a mile away, Elaine's folks lived, and they went to Winterset. Our side went to Earlham. So I, I knew her since kindergarten, but we went, started going to school in sixth grade. So she was in classes with me. And, and then didn't start, you started dating in, in high school? My junior year, yeah. And then we got, uh, uh, she went to Kansas to school her freshman year when I went to Simpson. So when I was entertaining Elaine's grandma with a church on First Street, Elaine wasn't even in the area. Okay. And then uh, her sister backed into her with a car and broke her leg. So her sophomore year, she couldn't go to Kansas to school. So she went to Area 11 and uh, took child development. And then uh, we got married between my uh, sophomore and junior year. So I was married the last two years of college. Right around, and that was right around the time, well, yeah, because you said you were the first wedding here. So it was right yeah. around shortly after you yeah. started coming here, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, we couldn't, the, uh, the kitchen area wasn't done. So we had our reception across the street at the Oddfellows. Oh, okay. So it was new, not completed when we had our wedding. Mm -hmm. You have any favorite memories from when your kids were young? Yeah. Um, when uh, Brad and Luke were, Luke was about a, a freshman in high school, and Brad was like a eighth grader. I would take the kids over and open up the gym, the town kids, and let them play basketball on Sunday afternoons. So. One night, they took my school keys and went over to the school, and they had arranged for a basketball tournament, like at 1 o'clock in the morning, in the school gym. But when they got there, the chairs were set up for graduation, just rows and rows and rows of chairs. And so they, were, they moved all the chairs off and played basketball, and the highway patrol showed up. And the highway patrol looked through the window and saw them playing basketball, so he called the superintendent. So the superintendent came over, and the highway patrolman opened up the school. And when they turned the lights on in the gym, all the chairs were set back up. Oh, wow. <laughs> and wow. they couldn't figure out who, who. And the guy says, I know I saw him playing basketball. <laughs> and Mr. Prakashik said, well, there's 300 chairs set in perfect rows. And he said, no, I, I saw him playing basketball. So at school, uh, my principal asked me, he said, um, do you know anything about the school being used over the weekend, playing basketball? And I said, no, but I can find out. <laughs> and it was my kids. Um, Luke had to miss one game for un unauthorized use of a building or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's like out of a movie, you know? Like yeah. Somebody's losing their mind. I know they were here. Yes, I I know they were. <laughs> and Brakashik, the superintendent, really wasn't even upset. He just... He said, I just can't believe they set them up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then we'd go to track meets, and we drove all the way to Omaha. Heather qualified for the state meet, and it was in Nebraska and Omaha. 
and she fault started, so you're disqualified. Mm-hmm. She never even got to run. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. The tough life lessons. But all of them were good enough in sports that they got played college sports. Mm-hmm. Heather, Heather played basketball. Brad did basketball and track, and Luke did football and track. So can you tell us some God stories where maybe, you know, different times and situations in life where God's just shown up and done something incredible? Well, the three years ago at, at uh, Mayo Clinic is one. It was during COVID, and Elaine rented a bed and breakfast, but they wouldn't let her go into the hospital. So she was living three blocks away and couldn't come in and see me. And uh, I flatlined during surgery and uh, was in a kind of an induced coma for 30 days while they were trying to, I mean, I, I wasn't even aware of anything. Mm. So that had to be the Lord. I had gone and got my living will and <laughs> everything you need to do. I bought a, a plot for a, a funeral plot and got my tombstone and had everything. And you were you were prepared. You prepared, were like, and then I'm uh, ready. To, I'm ready for the next life here. Yeah. But then uh, I came out of it, and 46 days later, I got to come home. Wow. You were, you were originally going in for like an open heart surgery? Yes. I've had two open heart surgeries. And I just, a week ago, no, two weeks ago, I had a pacemaker put in. My third one, the batteries keep going dead. <laughs> They're supposed to last 10 years. They've been lasting about four and a half, five. Wow. So I'm on my third pacemaker. I'm really on borrowed time since about 2010. Yeah. God's not done with you. No. He's, he's got more. Yep. Got more in store. That's awesome. Oh, I can't imagine 30 days. When I kind of came to, one of the male nurses was there, and I said, man, I wish I could get my hair cut. (laughs) And he says, well, I'll cut it. And I said, have you ever cut any hair before? And he said, no. But he said, it's (laughs) not going to make any difference to you. (laughs) So the next day he brought his clippers, and he said he watched it on YouTube. (laughs) And he said, I... Watched it, and he, so he cut my hair. So, He's been doing it ever since? No. <laughs> no, I never saw him again. But, yeah. Yeah, Pastor Barry thought, he said I, he thought I was going to be his first funeral after pa- Pastor Callaway left. That was my first open-heart surgery, and that was in 2010 or somewhere in there. Well, we're, we're glad you're here. Yeah, I, I am too. Certainly an inspiration, an inspiration to others, and... Can you tell us about maybe one of the most influential people in your life and how they impacted you? Besides my junior high science teacher that sent me the letter, the Foursquare Church pastor had six kids and a very small congregation. And he, I mean, they didn't have money to do anything with. And uh, I would always go by there and talk to Chuck. And he was um, like, he would come and scrimmage football against the varsity. He had a group of older guys that had graduated from Winterset, and they'd like run defense or run an offense. You couldn't do that now because of the liability, but yeah, they'd just come and beat the snot out of us. <laughs> and uh, But he was a real influence on, so he was the pastor at the Foursquare Church. You know, it's just, yeah, encouraging, you know, for, for pastors Big, small, or in different yeah. churches, you know, and the impact that you can have even on... But, like, he was the type that would go to your your games. He would, like, run the clock or uh, referee or that kind of thing. Um, back in the old days, they used to have chapel at Winterset, and uh, he did chapel on Wednesdays. That was at the school? Yeah, at the school. Yeah, every Wednesday. How important it is you know, just to be involved in community. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of coming back to what we were talking about with teaching, it's just being mm-hmm. around people. Yes. So you can let your light shine. Yeah. And it, you know, like you said, you don't have to be preaching. You got to get out of the house. You got to be around other people if you're going to yeah. let your light shine. I mean, exactly. you know, a, a light stuck in a house doesn't do anybody any good. Mm-hmm, right. And so just important, you know, in every aspect. We have a, a city celebration once a, once a year. And uh, for 25 years, uh, I did the kiddie races, kindergarten kids to fifth grade, you know, foot races and bicycle races. And so I did those. Did you win a lot? No. 
<laughs> but it's it, a lot of times in small towns, you volunteer once and you're there for a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Winterset's a whole different level of small town. Mm-hmm. I went down there to visit my buddy and he was back. He lives in Kansas City now, but he was back in town. And we walked around the whole town and everywhere we went, he knew people. Yeah. It was just, I, I mean, just walking up and down the streets yeah. and he knew people everywhere. And yeah. it was just, I'm like, boy, I don't know. How I, long did he live there? So he grew I, all through all through high school. So I met him in college. He went to Indian Hills Community College yeah. and we met down there. It was actually, he tore his Achilles right before he had a scholarship to play for Indian, or for, mm-hmm. yeah, for Indian Hills in Centerville. Mm-hmm. He tore his Achilles right before, so they sent him to Ottumwa. And uh, that's where I met him. Mm-hmm. And then he transferred up to Minnesota State, walked onto their baseball team there. Played? Played, and then tore his other Achilles. And he's like, I'm done. I guess I'm coaching from here on out. <laughs> yeah. I tore both of mine, one playing basketball in adult league. And then the other one I was painting, and I had my extension ladder set up, but I didn't have the thing hooked. And when I stepped from the bottom rung to the the movable rung. Yeah. It slid down and cut oh. my Achilles tendon in two. And I'm hanging upside down from the ladder. Oh. And there was a guy there that was strong enough to push the ladder apart so I could fall to the ground. But I was trapped up there. Oh, wow. So I got both Achilles fixed. So what's one thing you've always wanted to do but haven't done? My bucket list. I, one time I wanted to go to Hawaii and we got to go. So that was accomplished. I guess maybe watch the Eagles play. I'm an Eagles fan. Yeah. Since the 60s. Okay. Back when they were horrible. Yeah. <laughs> the last three years or so, they've been pretty good. They've had their ups and downs, yeah. yeah. But I've never been to a pro a pro football game. We have to see. I don't know. Do they play the, do they play the Chiefs this year? Yeah. In, in Kansas City. In Kansas City. Well, you better Next get week. some tickets. Well, oh, you... I think next, next week. week. Next week. I mean, that's pretty short order, but uh, you should you yeah. should see if you can find some tickets. Then you one get to my, see Andy Reid down one there. One of too. my ex-students, uh, there's only two Eagles fans in New Virginia, and Chris Truman said that he and his boy is going. Yeah. And uh, it's a Monday night game, and uh, his wife is a school teacher, and his son's going to miss school. And he said, that didn't go over very well, but it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> so... Yeah. Right. You should have told him to get you a ticket. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that would have been good. Yeah, well, see, you got to convince him that his son shouldn't should miss. Should go. Like, yeah. He should be in <laughs> he school. He should not yeah, miss right. school. Yeah, right. He should be in it's school. It's very important. Yeah. And, and I'll, to take you, I would take his place. Right. <laughs> yeah. You got a few days to yeah. get that worked out. Yeah. <laughs> so, Everett, what's the most daring thing you've ever done? The most daring thing? Yep. The most scary thing, I think, is when we were in Hawaii, we did a um, zip line from the, from the mountains. And we drove, we rode in an army vehicle to the top of the mountain. And I, I just said, I can't do it. I can't do it. And um, there was another couple with us, and he knew I wasn't going to go. And I said, Roger, just go ahead and go, and I'll, I'll be the last one. He said, no, I'll be the last one. <laughs> and so I hooked on. And I didn't listen on how to turn, and I went down the first mountain backwards on a zip line. And then when I got to the end, there was a block of wood that you hit, and it slows your pulley down. Yeah. And the guy is supposed to catch you. Well, I weighed 230 pounds, and the kid weighed 50 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) And I was going backwards, and I knocked him off, off the stand. And so the next thing he says, didn't they tell you how to turn around? I said, no. And he said, you just pull on that thing. And, and so the next time I was going forward and I could see where I was going, but we went, I think there was eight of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I would probably do it again, but I didn't want to do it the first time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's your favorite Bible verse or, or passage? Probably I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Mm, yeah, it's a good one. And over the years... That's where the strengths come from. Mm, yeah. Well, I, yeah, all the things you've been through and, and uh, just uh, how busy you are and all the, the effort and everything, you, you got to have your strength coming from yeah. him. Now my, I'm on 
medication that keeps my heart level low so it doesn't build up too much pressure on the artificial valve and aorta. So my blood pressure is like 88, my top number, mm. 88 over 60. And so I don't have a lot of energy now. Slows you down a little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you're, you're in good spirits, though. That's good. That's... Yeah. Yeah, life is good. Yeah. What advice would you share with others? I would say try to make the best of everything, every situation. In reality, life's too short. Like I used to tell the kids at school, you know, they'd be screwing around in class, and I said, are you trying to spoil my lunch? <laughs> and I said, that's the cook's job, you know. So minor things just don't get all bent out of shape over, mm. you know. That's good advice. Yeah. That's good, because it, life's, life's too short to be it's angry about things yeah. and frustrated. And I remember, you know, and maybe I've shared this before, but it's just one of those... I, I used to get frustrated a lot, and I still can at times, you know, when things don't go the way I want or whatever. Mm. And I just remember there was one time I was dealing with stuff at work, and I was just like, why are all these frustrating things happening all the time? And I don't know, I feel like God kind of just smacked me upside the head and was like, these are just things happening. You're the one that's getting yeah. frustrated. Yeah. 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 And, and they happen to everybody. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. It isn't like you're special. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just starting to take ownership of how we, how we handle and how yeah. we think, think through situations. And, and I'm sure there's things that we've done that we wish we hadn't done. And there's things that we didn't do we probably wish we should have. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, God doesn't want us to dwell in the past or, or live in, mm. you know, guilt or shame. He, he wants us to, to learn from it and then just continue pursuing him. You know, he's interested in our future more than our past. Yep. Sometimes we, we it's too easy to get hung up on the past. Yeah. Yep. Thinking about the coulda, woulda, shouldas of life. He wants us focused on him and, and moving forward. Well, Everett, really appreciate the time. Thank you so well, much thanks for, for joining and, and yeah. uh, telling us your stories. Incredible, incredible story. So really yeah. appreciate it and enjoyed having you here. Thank you.